0: Kia ora, you are listening to the Vet Thrive Collective Podcast. My name is Megan Alderson and I'm a well-being advocate for the veterinary profession and everybody within it. Join me on a global journey finding a collective of well-being innovators and thought leaders sowing seeds of change to bring our industry into a place where we can be happy, healthy, flourish and thrive. Welcome to Episode 2 of Vet Thrive Collective Podcast, where we'll be shooting the breeze with fellow veterinarian and veterinary health and wellness educator, Sonia Olson. She is energetically and compassionately contributing to the well-being of our amazing global community. She's just published a new book called Creating Well-Being and Building Resilience in the Veterinary Profession, A Call to Life and she is sharing her heart-storming wellness. Her aim, like our Vet Thrive program, is to help veterinary professionals on their mission to support animal health care around the world. With 20 years in emergency medicine, Sonia talks the talk and walks the walk. Please meet Dr. Sonia Olson. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I am so excited to meet somebody. I think when I read your introduction to your book, I'm like, is she my sister? So from the other side of the world. But tell me all about yourself.
1: Yeah, sister from another mister. So we are absolutely cut from the same cloth you and I would say that that is really the beautiful thing, isn't it? That we're finding each other and our allies in change faster through one another. So I am a long-term emergency doctor times twenty something years, (laughs) a veterinarian for 25 plus years-ish. And like many, it's been a wild and wooly journey of many different hats worn, much learning, much growth, and an opportunity for me to discern who am I in this veterinary profession and who do I want to be for myself and for our larger community. So I think that's really what I'm looking forward to having our conversation be about today.
0: That's right. And I'm always really fascinated to what makes a veterinary professional. I know you will oftentimes get asked that question. What made you decide to have a career in the veterinary field? Was it your family were veterinarians or the animals that you worked with earlier on in your life?
1: I think that's a great question. And I think for some, it was definitely something they felt called to at an early age. For others, it was something they discovered along the way through their lives in a pivot point. I think that it's really quite cool that my great-grandfather was a dairy vet. Maybe it's in my blood.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I was
1: raised, especially on my maternal side, around people who loved all animals, great and small, whether it was furry, feathered, scaled, horses and chickens and ferrets and ducks, oh my. And dogs and cats thrown in for good measure. But there was a lot of efforts on their part to make sure that I grew up understanding that all creatures matter, that compassion for all matters. And particularly my grandmother was very much a rescuer of critters. (laughs) So I think that matters. But definitely Mm -hmm. from a young age, I apparently walked up to my mother, I think age four, hands on hips and announced I was going to be an animal doctor and walked away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think that speaks to what we call our whakapapa in New Zealand. That is our ancestry and where we came from and why we have that calling to actually look after the animals of the planet. And I think a lot of us have this story. It's ancestral, it is generational, and we have a deep I guess, love of animals and making change in their lives or the people that love them. And as I said, tell me a little bit, we're diversifying here, but also you have a New Zealand connection. We can just dive into that. I know you're an instructor. (laughs) I do. Oh,
1: yes. I Gosh, that is like the other side of Sonia. So you have the veterinary side of Sonia. I guess, how many different sides? I think we should maybe say that there's facets (laughs) because there's many facets, So there is the Les Mills instructor, Sonia, which has been just an amazing journey. What a community, an international community, 20 plus years as an instructor. And I just love the culture. I love the community. I love the integrity of the program and what they have done to really heighten awareness and bring community to living your healthiest life. And all bodies matter. And I love that mindset. So yay and, for West Mills.
0: And we're all going to say we could bring that into the veterinary community. So that yes. very philosophy is something mm-hmm. probably, we'll talk about your why now, that maybe that's something to do with your founding philosophy of why you've become a well-being advocate. You're going to make change in this industry. Mm. And you've put your heart and soul into doing that. So tell me a little bit about that Why?
1: So it really comes from several places. Number one is the embodied experience of being a veterinary professional and experiencing experiences and the woes of being a veterinary professional, whether you are student, teacher, technician, leader, doctor, regardless of the veterinary segment, there are places and pieces that are incredibly meaningful and fulfilling. And there are so many Places that are challenging, and having experienced that for myself, as well as witnessing it in my fellow colleagues, there was a real desire to understand what is this, why, how can we do this better, and so that there is a sustainable path forward for really great quality work and beautiful medicine, yes, but also how do we thrive as individuals and as community Putting that together, yeah, I think so, Megan. With it, when it comes to like my Les Mills mindset of being an instructor and really welcoming all bodies into the room, all levels of fitness, and we're on this journey together of fun and of challenge and of sweat and sometimes (laughs) tears, a lot of laughter. But it was really an experience to bring community together, and for me to see myself as a coach and somebody who could bring wellness. That was something I had not anticipated finding a home for in veterinary medicine. But lo and behold, yes,
0: I have. After those 25 years of being, or in 20 years as an emergency veterinarian, Mm -hmm. which is no small task, how did that transition occur where you said, it is going to be well-being advocacy that I'm now stepping into?
1: Well, I'd love for it to say that it was an easy switcheroo, but that's just not so. When we take on something that is unknown, it takes a heap of courage. It takes a lot of community and a lot of faith, quite truthfully, that you have to trust your instincts and your heart to know that something else is okay. So shifting my identity from Dr. Sonia Olson, emergency veterinarian, to something else, not knowing what that was really scary, but I knew physically, emotionally, emotionally, psychologically, I needed to change. We didn't have the words for it yet, but I was in such a state of crispy critter burnout that I really needed to shift for my Mm. own sake and health and for the well-being of my relationships. And so it took a little time to figure out to be truthful, but I explored, I talked, I read, I listened. That's the key is get curious, be courageous, listen to your instincts and trust that you can be more than what you are today. And that's the journey that I started to really inquire about. If I'm coach, mentor, passionate advocate for well-being, absolutely I want that for the veterinary profession as well. So I think that's really where the transition occurred.
0: Did somebody call you out on this or is this something that you did actually come to yourself. For me, somebody gave me the shoulder tap and said, you're sick. You do need help. And this is, you know, in my early thirties.
1: There's that niggling, right? And we're so in this culture of stoicism that is predominant in our veterinary profession. We push through. We know it's part of the toolkit that we were believed to need. Challenging circumstances, the toughness and muscle through it. So I kept muscling through it, thinking that I could. And I'm also a doctor. And when I started having cardiac arrhythmias and I started Mm -hmm. noticing pitting edema in my distal limbs, uh uh-oh. And I knew, I knew in my core being that something wasn't right. So I knew psychologically and emotionally that I was fatigued, not just physically fatigued. I was tired. And it was more challenging to bring my good Sonia self forward. But it was the physical things that was the tap there, Megan, that it was like better, you are on yeah. a fast track to a heart attack. Is this job worth dying over?
0: Exactly, or your body.
1: <laughs> my body, you, and I. Listened your body to told that.
0: you. Yeah, my
1: body told me. I'm glad that I listened there because I think mm. there are some people that go through their lives and they don't listen to themselves. They don't listen to the people that love them. And I had that as well. Let's be clear. I had people around me. It might be time for you to consider something else.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all have mentors and coaches in our lives just mm. to keep us on the straight and narrow. And I think finding them early is definitely key. Mm. So what happened then? Let's talk about your being an author. So, yeah,
1: there's, so this is the changes that we go through. Their well-being in veterinary medicine is young. And so as I was coming mm. to the place of moving from the clinical floor to other I really had a very difficult time explaining and advocating and, uh, gosh, justifying. I hate that word, but what is the quote-unquote ROI of well-being initiatives for our veterinary professionals? The listening was not yet there for the larger community, particularly if they weren't the ones experiencing what we were experiencing in the hospitals. So it took time. I had to work through a transition role as I continue to be a squeaky wheel and to educate myself and wait for circumstances to shift and change, which they did. So I am now in a space where I'm with the same company. I just stuck to it (laughs) and waited for them to listen and for the right people to join. We have veterinary social workers now as part of our team, which is an incredibly unique opportunity for us. It's one that I hope we see more and more in our veterinary spaces. But this experience of leading up to this, currently being with this team, I found my voice. And I think that's really, again, what gave me courage to show up and say, there's other ways to approach this conversation. Let's raise awareness, let's build some skills and practices to fortify us and let's build community. And celebrate who we are and what we do. And that's why I wrote the book that I did that just published in March of this year.
0: Yay. Yes, creating well being and building resilience in the veterinary profession. And I love this, a call to life. And for a long time, I think my life was not great as a veterinary professional. I still love my career, I still did my job very well, but I guess my holistic life or the pillars of my life were falling around me physically, mentally, emotionally, and also spiritually. I hadn't even gone down that track. So I think... Your book is, I think, maybe the first of its kind. Um, we've got a few out there that are around more like positive psychology, looking into the veterinary profession and our health stats. But this one's more a journey from vet school, what to expect, the history of the veterinary profession, and then taking you through personal toolkits, lots of stories from all over the world, well-being advocates and others. So tell me a bit more about how that all came to be it evolved.
1: I originally had the notion that what I wanted more than anything was to decrease unnecessary suffering. That was the mission. By raising awareness, building community and knowledge, we can find our way forward individually and collectively, and we can do better. There's so many places in our veterinary profession that are chronic dysfunctions, chronic inefficiencies, and hello, pandemic.
0: (laughs) So yeah. all a of bit
1: same, of fuel <laughs> just slammed right to the forefront, didn't they? So interestingly, I had begun the journey in 2018 and 2019 with conversations, exploring what I thought this could be. And really what happened, which was so interesting, is that I really wanted this to be the story of us, not just my story, but I'm simply the conduit of a lived experience and then gathering information from our human medicine sectors. What do we already know from caregivers? How do we translate that to veterinary medicine? And then look at us, what's our history? What are the unique challenges in veterinary medicine? And then let's reframe this. It's not burnout as an inevitable terminus. What if we lived in such a way that we were thriving, as you say, in all the pillars of our lives and that we also recognize that we can have a life full of meaning our ikigai, and one of my favorite 10-point Scrabble words, or maybe it's a 50-pointer, <laughs> is eudaimonia. which is your, your E-word. <laughs> I love it. It's my E-word, which is <laughs> leaning into the meaning of your work, the thing that you are called to do. Mm. As you were pointing out at the beginning of our conversation, what is your destiny? What were you put on this earth to do? And I love that conversation. And yes, I just wove in stories and wise words from colleagues all over the world. And I really do hope that it speaks to people wherever they are and calls them forward and says, you belong here. You can stay here if it still feels right. And if it's not this, get curious, get courageous, stay in the game, stay in the conversation, find your tribe, but stay in the conversation. Because everybody has something to contribute. I know it.
0: And I feel that that's the magic of this book. I likened it to when I used to go out. I was a first year graduate, a mixed practice veterinary. And we had the Merck's book in my V-dub love box because I never knew I was going to walk into a farm and I'd hop out the car to get something and then quickly flick to the right page and just see what I was supposed to be doing to that cow that had something gruesome happening to it. And it was a bit like that. I feel this book is more something that every veterinary professional should have on their shelf just so that they can dive into it and say, okay, I'm feeling like this today. I'm just going to read a wee section about this, or I'm going to connect to that page where I read this happened to somebody else. You've got a lot of evidence-based medicine in there. It was, it was really something that I could see every practitioner really and research that shows where we're at as a profession, how we can move forward, popping on that shelf so they can deep dive into it or just just know it's there when they need it. And I'm very intentionally
1: things? included data because by the way, we are a little bit of a data-driven community, aren't we? So mm-hmm. I knew <laughs> that there might be some skeptics out there and it's okay to be skeptical. I'm not an expert. I'm not the guru. I want you to figure out for yourself what works. And what is also really fantastic is that the research that is veterinary centric is growing. That's an awesome phenomenon combined with Also, how do we take these understandings and apply them and bring them into action? That's what's happening now. So there may or may not be a second book in the works of the (laughs) how. And it was something I had in mind all the way through it, that I would want this to be the what. And then the next effort would be the how. Again, bringing wise voices from colleagues into that space to say a bit more about how do we create psychological safety? How do we invite a culture of belonging and of equanimity? That's your E word. And how do we continue to take care of ourselves? The toolbox can grow. And the more that we learn, the more that we have research to prove, because it's not just in vet med that we're learning these things. For example, mindfulness practices, there's ongoing research and data to show that these practices matter and they can fortify us. So yes, I think that that's exactly right. Where you find your way into this book and others, not just mine, but maybe there's some terms, there's maybe some groups, there's a lot of resource sharing in the book as well. So I hope that it might just say, what's that word or what's that community about? And it calls people forward.
0: I love that. And I think um, we've got many obstacles yet to address. Who do you think is the most precarious people in our profession to date? And also, what is the obstacle for us who are talking about well-being and advocacy and actually looking at the individual as well as the organisation? Where do you see that sitting? So that's who are the people that are most precarious and what is the obstacle to getting to them and just saying, like, this work needs to happen? I do worry
1: very much about our most recent graduates, but I also worry about those that are remote in rural environments or in practices where they're the solo practitioner or they're in a smaller group, whatever that may be. When those individuals are isolated, geographically or psychologically and emotionally, I worry because I think that this is a work effort that needs to be done together. We all know that feeling. If you've been practicing for a bit, there's this really magical feeling when you're working with an incredible team. It could be busy as all get out, but when you're working like a well-oiled machine, that's because you trust your team, you trust yourself, and there's this collective energy. That is what we need to beget around mental health, around physical health, so that we can, as a collective, run like a well-oiled machine as busy as the practices get, that we are together able to meet the challenge. So that's really the thing, is what are those means that help us connect to one another, allow us to admit that we need to be in community, that we don't have to go it alone. So finding each other, building the resources, building the efficiencies, and there's still work to be done around the raising of consciousness for our leadership and our organizations to see that there's value in investing in their people, that there is profit to be had if you invest in your people. So instead of ROI, I have heard recently the VOI, value of investment, rather than it being a return on investment. Value your people. And so that they can grow the profession and move it to the direction that it needs to go in order for us to have a viable
0: community period and absolutely right the world needs veterinarians we've got a shortage of veterinary professionals across the world and this is what this podcast is all about is really to as you said we're joining a collective a community to have a voice to that to let you know that you're not alone there's Sonia and I talking from other ends of the planet just to say look like There's people out there like us who are tampening the way forward. We are getting together, but you're coming on this journey whether you like it or not. (laughs) So listening to a podcast about someone so fabulous like Sonia is just going to be just the start. Let's have a talk about what sort of, book really influenced you to actually take this jump and say I'm going to make a difference I'm personally going to share my story which is very courageous it's not easy for us to get out there and say I've had burnout or I've had a poor mental health in the past Mm. what really inspired you to actually say I'm going to do this where did it come from where did that soul writing begin
1: there's a fairly long list of books because I'm an avid reader, <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will narrow it down. I gave it some thought before we began Good. the discussion today to a few that I would really love to bring up. I know it may seem that people bring her up again and again, but there's a reason for it. Brene Brown is a powerhouse of calling you forward. And yeah. I love Dare to Lead because what she is saying is get in the arena. If you're sitting up in the cheap seats and you're judging and you've got heaps of opinions, that's nice. But until you get in the arena and you start actually doing the work, that's where change happens. And so get in the arena, get in there. It matters. That is where change is going to happen for yourself and for the world. So get in the conversation. So really genuinely, just about any one of Brene Brown's books, including her new one, Atlas of the Heart, beautiful conversations to call you forward. There's another one that I would love to share because I think that most people wouldn't know her. She's just one of these writers, that's a poet. She's so articulate. It's Jacqueline Novogratz, and the book is Manifesto for a Moral Revolution. What is beautiful about this is the journey of her own life and what the way that she found ways to bring people from all sorts of communities forward with resources to bring solutions to hard problems, deeply complex problems. This is the journey of the book that she has shared now around the world. This is many editions of this. But I would just say this is bigger than just where you are. This is bigger than the country that you're in. This is a global conversation. And again, it's what are you on this planet to do? for this dash of life that we are on, what are you called to do? So are you going to get in the arena? Are you going to listen to your instincts and your heart and live into your ikigai and your eudaimonia?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be buying the book. (laughs) So that'll be what I'm doing after this and that'll be in the show notes so you can all do it too because it sounds fascinating. Renee Brown, I was actually literally thinking about her lesson this morning and it's in my Drive program, which was really learning my own values. I didn't know my own values, it seems, until I was over 50. (laughs) And I think really understanding what drives me To be a person, to make a change and to belong has made my life instantly easier. So I agree, Brené Brown, we love you. We're winding up soon. Now, this is, as I said, a really good little bite of Sonia, but we're going to be hearing from her again because you can see she's a powerhouse in the world. But heartstorming wellness. Tell me about the heartstorming wellness.
1: I don't know whether this is Sonia 3.5 or Sonia 4.0, but it's heartstorming <laughs> as opposed to brainstorming. When we come from our authentic humanity and we see the humanity in the other, Those connections are deep and meaningful and the conversations are those that change the world. So heart storming. So when I connect with another, I want it to be from our heart. Cut the crap, (laughs) go to the good stuff and let's be real about it because life is moving on and these problems are large. So let's speak true and be kind and be compassionate. So heart storming is in that space because that is where I want to show up is an advocate for those conversations. I wanna connect people to each other and I want us to be more efficient in the changes that we need in our veterinary profession, in our lives. And also I'm an enormous advocate around conservation of the planet and of wildlife. So those are things that absolutely are my heart. So this is something then I want to share that energy with those that feel like I'm of support for them. I really see myself as a catalyst for people finding what's next, finding their authentic why, and making the pivot that's necessary, finding the courage. I'm not empowering you. I'm pointing to your power and reminding you of your innate
0: wisdom. Oh my gosh, sign me up.
1: <laughs> so uh, Sonia. I don't know if I yeah. can repeat any of that, but if not, I was saying it from my heart. So that's just uh, what's you, true. You
0: certainly did and you said it beautifully. And I think from me to you, having people in the world who are dedicated to make a difference to this profession is a really good foundation of making very quick and needed change. You're a woman who has a lot of mana fakatapu, which is like lived experience, and I think that's really important for us as veterinary professionals because it's hard to know what we do unless you do it. Hard to know the challenges we have unless you've been down there on the ground. And I think your book is beautiful, and we look forward to version two. And I look forward to seeing you in Aotearoa very soon. Oh, I thank you
1: so much for the conversation. Appreciate it.
0: You have been listening to the Vet Thrive Collective Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest in veterinary professional well-being across the globe, join the conversation by following Vet Thrive on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the Vet Thrive Collective Podcast at Apple Podcasts and Spotify.